This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's an all-pet day today on Creature Comforts, so we prop the doors to our pet hospital wide open and welcome all pet questions from the big to the small. Maybe it's a question about a cat or a dog that you have at home. Maybe you've got both. What about uh, questions about exotic pets like rabbits, snakes, and ferrets? It's all fair game. So don't hesitate to join our conversation with your phone call or email. And if you had any general wildlife experiences, we always like to hear those as well, so call us up. We'd like to remind you that uh, if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Libby. We do have a caller on the line, and it's a pet question for Dr. Major. So why don't we go ahead and jump right into things and say good morning to Betty, who's calling in from LaFleur County. Go ahead, Betty. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Um, I have a almost five-year-old Australian Shepherd Red Healer mix that has been deaf since birth, adopted and returned twice when we got her, by the time we got her at 18 months old and has tons of anxiety issues. We've done several different, we've tried gabapentin and trednisone, we've tried Prozac, we currently are doing, I think it's Colmacon. Wondering if there were any vet behavioralists in this state. There are, and it's a great question. And sounds like this dog is somewhat traumatized. I guess you said she cannot hear. Is that correct? She cannot hear and has I mean, and it's not that she's an older dog that's lost her hearing. She's born now. Right. She, she's got. Has she, has, she, has, has she received any training as far as hand signals and this sort of thing? We've got some hand signals. I've worked with a trainer that's in the Jackson area. I live over on in Clark County. Um, but. The, we've worked with and gotten some hand signals down. Like I said, she's almost five. Thrives on routine. Um, her biggies are she, and one, we've used, we moved about a year and a half ago. We've used two different vet's offices with her. And the first office we were in said they felt like she had, I've forgotten the name of it, but it's the equivalent of OCD in dogs. Um, she chases shadows. Like okay. she would run and pounce on her shadow for forty-five minutes to an hour when she's not on her meds. Okay. Um, okay. And that's gotten better with management and lots of working on teaching her place. You know, giving her other things to do, but we still have tons of reactivity and anxiety. Um, just was wondering, as another step in what... Okay, what I would say this. And, right, and this is not a totally unusual problem. We do see it, and uh, 
in the herding dogs especially, uh, they have uh, plenty of energy and anxiety in a lot of cases. My suggestion, have you tried Mississippi State University uh, School of Veterinary Medicine? Uh, there has been a behaviorist there. I don't have her number or name right this minute. Okay. But I, I would certainly look. I would, I would call at the front desk, ask for some, a small animal uh, okay. hospital, and ask for any help with the behaviorist that you might have, okay? Okay. Uh, there are some other people uh, who have good success with some of the dogs with uh this sounds like separation anxiety, too, and I suppose that uh, uh, the Clomacom seems to be helping some, right? Yes. It, okay. it takes an edge off where we can do training and work on things. Okay. Well, I would and definitely go ahead if you... Like three years. Okay. Go ahead and contact Mississippi State University Vet School and see, um, just explain that you need to talk to a behaviorist. And okay. I am certain that they have one uh, on staff, okay? And there may be All others right. across the state, okay? And thank okay. you. Appreciate right. your call, okay? Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks, Betty, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and it's an all-pet day. We've already put Dr. Major to work uh, answering pet questions. That was our primary goal for today. So if you have a pet question, you can either email the show by sending it to animals at mpbonline.org. Do have some open phone lines. And, again, if you've had some sort of wildlife experience that you'd like to call in and share us, we always like to hear about those as well. So, Libby, um, you were telling me that you took advantage of of the uh, the National Park Service uh, first day uh, hike, is that right? Yes, I wasn't on a national park, but you know most of the states have at least gotten in a little bit into the um, first hikes, first day hike, I guess is what it's really called. But um, it's really fun. January the first, um, many of the national parks, I think maybe even all of them now, have. Um, a guided hike, and it's free admission for most of them. Uh, so uh, we've we've been to several now. In um, I guess we've been to Tishomingo for first day, and um, Roosevelt, and we did Lafleur's Bluff this year. And I was anxious to see. I just told Java um, I thought I might see all the regulars that we see out there birding. And some people we know their names well, and some we um, just know by face. But that wasn't the usual crowd. It was uh, lots of new people, too, so that was fun. I think about 25 people showed up just for the hike. So it was good to see some new faces out on, uh, in LaFleur's Bluff State Park having fun on the first day of the year. Hopefully that's, uh, um, I guess, the idea is that you start a good habit first thing of the year. But mm-hmm. So it was lots of fun. Um, we saw hooded bo- um, hooded mergansers, lots and lots of them, dozens of them. And um, I, I knew that we, it's not an unusual bird to see there at all. We usually have them on our little pond at home, but um, this year when the water's been so low and the drought – I've not seen them at all, so I hope that they will, re, you know, regain that habit of coming back to us. But we got to see a lot of them at Floors Bluff, uh, the Black Crown Night here, and there's one that is in a specific tree there in Mays Lake, 
and usually accompanied by a great egret, and it's gotten to be kind of a touchstone. I, we go by there, that tree, every time we're in LaFleur's Bluff, and almost every time see this um, black-crowned night here, and they're absolutely beautiful birds. And uh, he he hides a little bit in that tree, but it's pretty much always the same tree. So you get a new angle you can find him each time. And I noticed a couple people had taken pictures and posted them in Mississippi Birding on the Facebook page. So they were pretty cool looking. And uh, several white ibis and um, really good looks at a ruby crown kinglet. We see those in our yard pretty often or hear them, but it was fun to just get a good look at those at LaFleur's Bluff, too. Around the house, too, we've had cedar wax wings. I think we had a caller the last time we did a live show, which must have been three weeks ago, uh, talking about the cedar wax wings, and we we did have a flock in our yard yesterday um, taking advantage of the cedar tree and uh, have a weeping yopon Holly, so the um, those berries were, I guess, just at the right stage. So the cedar waxwings were eating them, and we had yellow rumped warblers, and heard white throated sparrows singing, and again the um, Carolina uh, wrens and chickadees and tufted titmice, all those annual or year round residents that we're used to seeing. And, um, oh, you know, I'll remind people, too, to look for their eastern bluebirds. We had good looks at the bluebirds in LaFleur's Bluff. I haven't seen them around my house the last few days, but um, uh, it's easy to forget that they're a year-round residence, and it's fun to look for them. They tend to stay, if they nest in a box on your place, they'll be somewhere probably close to that box on and off all winter just waiting for spring. This time of year, I think, is great for hiking. I mean, it, you know, it gets a little cold, but on the days where it's not overly cold and the sun is out, it's just a perfect time to go out and enjoy uh, the state parks. And <clears throat> again, I think I've referenced a couple times, a friend and I and I during the, the pandemic for, you know, relief would go to it. So I've been fortunate enough to do a number of the state parks, at least in the central and southern part of the state, and have always enjoyed that just interesting to get out in nature you feel like you're you know isolated and you're the only one out there although it is fun sometimes to see uh to see other hikers on the trails as well yeah we're really blessed here to have i think there are 25 state parks and um all great places to spend time and um they're uh they're close enough everybody's got one fairly close to them because we've got them scattered around the state and then when you consider um, the natchez trace cutting that diagonal through the state that gives you a lot more uh, access to public lands that are um safe and good places to take hikes Mm -hmm. libby before we jump back into things we were just uh, during the break uh, talking about something and you mentioned that this this is one of the times of the year when it's especially important to watch out for deer. Yeah, there there have been some fatalities even around the country. Um, you just got to slow down. I don't know about the recent car accidents, if those were at night or not, but particularly at night. And I mentioned the trace, but if you're if you're driving the trace after dark, you've got to be constantly mindful. And, you know, um, a lot of times deer will come up to the side of the road and stop, and they're within your sight. I hit a deer this way the exact same way, so I wasn't a bad wreck because I had completely stopped. The deer just stood there. So as I went on going, he just ran right into me. 
So you can't trust that they're going to, just because they stop ahead of you, you can't trust they're going to stay on that side of the road. And I've been told by several officers that it's a good idea to honk. Anytime you see them, honk and try to scare them away from the side of the road. But um, it can be dangerous. And they're they're big creatures. I, um, a couple of years ago, my friend and I used to bike on uh, parts of the Natchez Trace, and it was getting. It wasn't dark, but it was getting. You know that time, and we were driving along, and all of a sudden, out of the bushes, this one right in front of us, and it was like, well, I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> thank God, it was not just a couple of seconds one way or the other, because that would not have been. It was bad enough with a car. Could you imagine a, a deer and a bicycle collision would be? Uh, something kind of nasty there. <clears throat> so, Dr. Major, we've talked about this uh, mysterious illness that has been affecting dogs, the canine respiratory illness. Uh, anything new that you can report? I, I imagine or I don't think that I've heard of any cases here in Mississippi as yet. Is that correct? That's correct, to my knowledge. Now, one thing back about the deer. Remember, with deer, if you see one, there's usually more coming. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. have to be real careful with that. They, they usually... I won't say a pack herd, but there's usually anywhere from two to five at a time, maybe even more. So you have to be careful for those stragglers. A lot of times they're sitting waiting to see if the first one's crossed the road, okay, and then they'll come on. So just be careful and aware that that's – and I, most people that drive at night know that. They see them. But uh, there's some of them that act like they own the road, so just be careful. Uh, as far as any cases of the – uh, respiratory illness that they've seen, it seems to have kind of subsided nationally. I'm not sure exactly how or why, but uh, we'll try to keep uh, listeners posted as any developments occur. At this point, there is no vaccine uh, for that particular type of respiratory illness, and uh, we'll just keep monitoring. I think it's being treated pretty much like the typical uh, respiratory kennel cough uh, type situation that uh, you might occur that we've been occurring for years. You know, this is the time of year that uh, many humans uh, deal with colds and flu and that sort of thing. Uh, do those things affect our pets, our dogs? Do they suffer from colds and possibly the flu like humans do? <laughs> there is a canine influenza, two types of it, and there is a vaccine for the canine influenza. It usually doesn't occur uh, too widespread. However, where you have groups of dogs, uh, i.e. dog shows, kennels, uh, that sort of thing, it does sporadically occur. Uh, strangely enough, this past week, which, you know, we just into the new year, uh, I probably have seen more cases of pharyngitis, i.e. like sore throat, gagging, uh, spitting up foam and phlegm, that I have in quite a while, just the past few days. So that kind of goes along with some of the things that people are experiencing. Uh, but as far as the common cold that affects people, uh, and I do not believe there's any evidence that it occurs in uh, dogs or cats. Well, they're lucky because, <clears throat> in my opinion, you know, a cold, you feel bad for the, maybe the first couple of days. But after that, it's, to me, more annoying. It's just like, could I please get over this so I can be back to normal again? Exactly. So, <laughs> lucky that our pets aren't, aren't at least having to suffer through that. Um, now, many people own more than one dog. So if you have multiple dogs in your house and one of them does get sick, is it a good idea to try to isolate them? In a lot of cases, that's hard to do. It depends on the disease, of course, that might be going on in the respiratory or 
uh, cough type things that we see. Usually you're not encouraged to isolate those. Uh, it depends on the age of the dogs, of course, and their immune system too. So there are some dogs that are more susceptible. Some dogs, that, for example, have heart issues or some other uh, immunological issue may be good to separate them from the other dogs uh, when uh, one of them is sick. So, Dr. Major, go ahead. We've seen a fair amount of uh, certainly anxiety and some issues because of fireworks and this Mm -hmm. sort of thing uh, this year. You know, with the New Year, Christmas, New Year, and a lot of fireworks. And some dogs really have problems with that, just the noise, and uh, certainly can cause some traumatization, if you will. Some of the animals hide, some uh, shake. Uh, dogs that have seizures, some of those are potentiated by uh, fireworks and excitement type things. So. I would say that you uh, need to talk to your vet. Uh, there are tranquilizers. There are medications that can be given to to help. Uh, the lady that called earlier sounds like her dog has some severe issues being a deaf dog, so I don't think it's having any firework issues. But certainly it sounds like it's got anxious issues. And uh, as her vet said, OCD or equivalent of that. Um, our producer Abram Nanny found something. It was the website The Wildest put out a article on December 29th, and it's 11 New Year's resolutions for dog owners. And the interesting thing about this, Dr. Major, when I went through this list, I thought to myself, "Well, yeah, Dr. Major talks about that all the time." So, uh, so you're 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 doing good. But let me run through these, and and if any kind of catch your attention, and we can go back and uh, um, you know explore a little bit further. But it says. Uh, Exercise mind and body. Both are equally important for dog's growth. Do an annual wellness checkup. Keep your pup fit, nutritious, and appropriately rationed meals and treats benefit your dog. Check the chip, talking about the chip that you can put in to, that identifies the dog. Uh, brush the teeth. No fleas. Get back to training. Tidy up your home. I thought that was a good one. Uh, remove toxins. Uh, watch out for electrical cords and other things that uh, dogs might get into. Buckle up. Keep your dog's... Uh, contained in the back seat of a car uh, bonding spend time with your dogs don't just them wander around the house uh, and then make new friends shelters are always in need of willing fosters and your dog could get some much needed socialization with other shelters or rescues so interesting list there and like i said a lot of things that are, are that you tell us about all the time dr major anything in that list kind of catch your ear it's a pretty good list actually uh a couple of things come to mind immediately one is uh brushing his teeth. Now, not every dog or cat is going to let you brush his teeth. Uh, there are things that you can do. Uh, there's some uh, dental treats that are treated to help prevent buildup of plaque and uh, this sort of thing. But I'd say a large percentage of dogs, especially those over four or five years old, have uh, some gum disease or buildup of plaque. Uh, which, uh, if you wonder why sometimes you smell your dog's breath or it kisses you <laughs> and it knocks you out, you know exactly that usually it's because of the mouth and the teeth. So we do see a lot of dogs that are in need of dental care. Uh, something I, with your annual checkup, certainly have your veterinarian look at the teeth and see if there's any need of cleaning or uh, prophylactic-type treatment. Uh, Gosh, the other thing is socialization. Uh, a lot of dogs 
don't have adequate socialization at an early age and becomes difficult. So it's good to have uh, both, uh, what shall I say, encounters with other dogs, but also with people in a good situation. So it is good to socialize and be sure. There's some dogs that really uh, did not get it at an early age, and sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes it's good to get some professional help, like a trainer, uh, that knows how to uh, help you with socialization and making your pet a more enjoyable pet. Uh, as we talked about brushing the teeth, I also remember something that you've recommended before, and that is uh, maybe if your dog's not familiar, you certainly want to want, want to try to jam a toothbrush in their mouth. But you said if you were to get some gauze and just lightly massage uh, along the gum line, that that <clears throat> might help the dog sort of be conditioned to further dental work, but also might uh, aid in, in kind of loosening up some of the particles. Right, regular massage of those gums because that's where most of the tartar and plaque build up. And when you get a gum line that recedes, you can even have uh, the root, which does not have enamel on it, uh, to become exposed, and then you get a serious problem. Either you lose the tooth or it can cause infection. So that's an excellent idea to have some sort of way to massage the gums. Uh, and toothbrush, if if you get started and the dog doesn't mind it, just take it easy and don't overdo it. I suggest a fairly soft toothbrush. Uh, and there are certain uh, toothpaste for dogs. Uh, I have mixed reviews on that. Uh, just don't get it mixed up with your own toothpaste. Uh, everything from beef to chicken to fish uh, flavor. So those work in some cases. What a surprise that would be if you woke up in the morning and started brushing your teeth with fish-flavored toothpaste. I'm sure it has happened. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why that struck me as funny, but that is that's uh, <clears throat> a prank that you might play on someone. <laughs> it would wake you up. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly would. The other one that uh, caught my eye on this list, Dr. Major, is something, again, that you tell us all the time, and that is the fleas. And the, because certainly it gets cold here, but it never really gets cold enough, long enough to where fleas are not an issue. So you want flea treatment. And, of course, you've also talked about the importance of heartworm treatment as well. But that should be year-round. Certainly, uh, heartworm treatment should be year-round. We see every day, excuse me, I think yesterday I saw two or three dogs that did have fleas. They weren't a, you know, a great infestation, but they certainly were there. And it takes just a little while for those to multiply and produce a problem. So we have fleas year-round. Heartworms, definitely keep them on heartworm prevention year-round simply because uh of the severity of the problem if they do get heartworms and it just makes good sense not to have to worry about it and if you skip two or three months uh, and then maybe you forget about it until June you may have a severe problem so I recommend uh, whether it's the monthly or the six month shot or 12 month shot definitely keep your dogs on heartworm preventive and thus flea control as well you're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. It's an all-pet day, so we're looking for your pet questions. To join our conversation with your question or maybe a wildlife observation, you can email animals at mpbonline.org. And just one final thing. We, before the break, we were talking about uh, brushing teeth or dental health for your dog. 
Our coworker Liz Gill came in during the break and mentioned that uh, she has two dogs that she gives the little green sticks to. I think a number of different uh, manufacturers of those. Uh, but she says that her vet has told her that her dogs have good dental health. So if at least for her dogs, those little chewy uh, dental sticks uh, seem to work well. So that might be something uh, that if you have a dog, you might consider checking into. We've got a caller on the line, so we're going to go to Jackson. Ken has a story for us, I believe. Good morning, Ken. You're on the air, so go ahead. Well, good morning. What do you have for us today? I'm I'm originally from Chicago. I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And I came out uh, last week because there was so much noise between my house and my neighbor's house. And I walked outside to see what was going on. There's about 20 squirrels in a circle, and they were fussing at each other. Are they, are they territorial or something, or I guess is my, is my garden better than my neighbor's garden, and they're, they're fussing over it? Well, you could go out and count acorns and get an idea, probably. <clears throat> they like bugs, and they like acorns, and just anything they can get, any kind of berries. Uh, would they be Good that territorial but where they'd be fighting each other? Or? They can be. And you know, what They were could having have... a community meeting. They had a community meeting between the houses. All right. Was there, is there a chance that <clears throat> there was a squirrel predator in the area, either a big hawk or, uh, you know, a, something that they were afraid of enough that they start they do a lot they like to make an alarm call and uh sometimes when birds do those alarm calls squirrels will join in they do in our yard they'll start some strange cackling sounds and they will all get into it so it might look like they were squabbling among each other when actually they were all sounding an alarm for something that was in the area that was bothering them. If they see a Living, shadow I, of a big hawk, uh-huh. I think they were planning a takeover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got out there just in time, did he? <laughs> right. Right. Well, my, back, my backyard is, is a major yard. I don't have really grass. I have uh, mulch, and I let, I let my backyard live wild. Okay, so you do have the preferred habitat, probably. You think your squirrels are keeping other squirrels away from their paradise? <laughs> I don't know who squirrel they are. <laughs> well, you might have to start watching them a little bit more and watch what else is going on to get an idea of. Um, uh, you know, I know we need a squirrel show. Don't yep. We all have to find a mammologist that wants to come because I immediately started going to, okay, when do they have the young in their nests and that kind of thing because they're going to be um, much more protective of their area when they've got baby squirrels. All right, uh, Ken, we appreciate your call in this morning. Uh, and so this interesting on the alarm call, obviously that's to alert other squirrels in the area, but also do they think that maybe that noise might uh, spook the predator as well? And it just kind of, we know you're here Yeah, kind of a thing. Get away from here. We know you're here. We got our eye on you. We got our little squirrel eyes on you. But uh, I don't know how much good it does. But it, it's it's always been interesting to me, the warning calls, because they're interspecies, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, if a squirrel gives a warning call, you know, the blue jays, everybody else is going to perk up, too. Of course, it could be a blue jay that they're 
fussing at. <laughs> so, Dr. Major, we uh, encourage people to get their pe- their pets spayed or neutered. And I'm wondering that uh, after having that uh, surgery, either for a male or a female, are there any kind of behaviors that would be of concern for the pet owner uh, if they observe this after that sort of a surgery? Well, you know, any type of surgery, man. <clears throat> These are fairly major surgeries. You want to keep the animal quiet, uh, not let it get out and run the neighborhood or this sort of thing. It's very important to restrict activity, at least until the sutures are removed, if, you, if the animal has surgery. Uh, as far as changes in personality, uh, there may be some. Uh, one thing that you uh, observe would be, uh, really frankly, with weight gain, it's not a change in personality, but because of changes in metabolism, uh, certainly you can have uh, obesity issue. And you need to watch. We have a lot of overweight animals, not necessarily because they spayed or unslayed, but just because they eat too much and don't exercise enough. That was one of the points, I think, in that list that you read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in most cases, uh, one of the reasons that you neuter males is marking territory, and it can be quite obnoxious in a house situation, uh, whether it's a cat or a dog, uh, that they tend to mark their territory. So usually if they're neutered at that early, at fairly early age, they don't develop that habit, but uh, they may at some point, but usually after being neutered, uh, they don't continue to mark their territory like they used to. Um, in other words, Changing personality, yes, sometimes I know a lot of hunting people are opposed to spaying their dog, uh, especially the female or the male, or neutering the male, simply because they feel like it takes some of the drive away. I know one dog in particular now that uh, has been spayed and she can outrun almost any greyhound. She's a diesel hunter-type dog, been trained, and I don't think she's slowed down a bit since she's been spayed. Um, as uh, cat owners know, they have to deal with uh, shedded cat hair a lot, and it is amazing uh, how much it can uh, pile up. Uh, you know, I, my cat passed away, what, months ago, and I'm still <laughs> finding cat hairs and uh, tucks away. I probably speaks more of my cleaning uh, habits than the cat, but what have you. But uh, what if you notice more excessive shedding or more shedding than normal? Is that something to be concerned about? Of course, one of the things with shedding, whether it's a cat or a dog, regular brushing uh, with a comb or de-shedding type thing works well. There are certain times of the year when they shed more than others. On the other hand, cats especially, if they get into excessive grooming, you may see hair loss on the mainly the rear legs, the back, uh, uh, around the tail, and sometimes uh, in other places. They even get so carried away that some vets, some people call it fur mowing, uh, simply because the cat's tongue can really remove hair quite rapidly. Usually this is because of either parasites, such as fleas, or uh, some sort of disorder, uh, allergy-type situation. And usually those need to be treated uh, to uh, ameliorate the condition. So another a pet or a flea question, fleas and ticks, I think most of the of the, uh, the, the the medicines we can give our pets or treat ticks as well. But if uh, if you notice that your pet has gotten a tick, what what should you do? Do they need to be tested for any tick-borne diseases, or what's the course of action there? 
That's a great question. Uh, normally, we don't routinely test uh, uh, our dogs uh, for the tick-borne diseases, and there are quite a few diseases, uh, everything from Rocky Mountain spotted fever uh, to uh, Ehrlichia, which is a tick-borne disease, Babesia. There's different things that are spread. However, it's fairly rare, and uh, I would say that I wouldn't just grab a dog up and test it. Uh, based on the fact that it had a tick. Uh, one of the drugs that is used to treat most of the tick-borne diseases is doxycycline, which is readily available. Uh, and you're right, most of the flea control medications will also help control ticks. Amazingly, rarely do I see a tick on a cat unless it's sick, uh, if it's sick for some reason. Um, they groom themselves fastidiously. Now, they might have one up around the ear or head that they can't get to, but a healthy cat usually is able to remove ticks before they become attached, which is amazing. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and we've got another phone call. We'll go to Mobile and invite Ryan into the conversation. Good morning, Ryan. Go ahead, please. Yeah, hi. Um, we have a 19-year-old cat. Um, he's... Uh, um, he started to quiet down. He's, he's definitely showing some signs of his age. He doesn't jump as much. Um, and he stopped uh, kind of grooming himself. He now has kind of mats of hair, um, you know, especially around his hindquarters. And and uh, I, I know that we're going to be expecting some changes as we get older, but I'm just wondering, is, is this kind of the beginning of the end or is this the, the kind of just a natural thing that he's going to go for years He's diabetic as well, so we give him insulin. Uh, he's done that right. for five years, I think, now. So um, done a remarkable, anyway, yeah. remarkable job keeping him going. That's good. Thank you. Now, you say he's matting up around certain areas. Uh, yeah, around his hind legs. He, he seems to maybe have some arthritis in his hind legs. He, when we pick him up, he kind of stretches them out a lot. And that may be one reason he's looking more and matting up there, simply because he's having some pain uh, in in that area. Talk to your vet uh, about a, a injectable drug, which helps a lot of cats, older cats, especially with, with arthritis. Uh, it's called Silencia, and it oh. may be one thing that could help him uh, I want from the standpoint of getting around, yes. Pardon? Okay. What? Yeah. Wonderful. That uh, that sounds great. Silencio, you said. S o l e n s i silencio. Okay. Starts with Perfect. S. But your vet, your vet would be aware of that, so it might be something even with a diabetic condition that you could give. I believe you can. And uh, oh, good luck with that. Nineteen years is is a great uh, shows that you're taking great care of this cat, especially even if with a diabetic condition and. Our cat should live to be in the 20s, okay? But uh, it okay. doesn't always happen. Thanks yeah. for your call. Okay. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Good to hear from you, Ryan. Thanks for your call. Um, and Dr. Major, I would say, too, if you're older, again, it's, you know, it sounded like he might have been having some issues 
uh, with arthritis to getting to certain parts and grooming, that would be the time maybe to get the Furminator type of uh, grooming brush. And and because uh, I remember my cat had some mats, um, and you kind of have to work at it. But I was really impressed at how well those grooming tools do work to work through the matted uh, hair, and then eventually, you know, to help keep them uh, further mind. And you know, I think a lot of cats also enjoy the the feeling of the of the comb. A lot of cats do, and surprisingly, uh, I guess, in, in my opinion, there's these different things that are called low shed, no shed, uh, things that you supposedly can put on your cat and it helps keep it from shedding. But every one of them, after it, you put it on, it says, comb it in, brush it uh, <laughs> in. And uh, that's that's the main thing, is being able to do that. Now, some cats will not let you. You may as they say, draw back a nub uh, if you start trying to comb the wrong cat. But uh, it is something that at an early age, if you can start combing, brushing your cat, uh, they'll be used to it, and uh, it would be something that uh, might help. Some cats, because of the nature of their fur, they have, some cats have to be sheared periodically in certain areas simply because it mats up. And it's painful if they've got a big mat to try to comb it out. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Let's immediately go back to the phone lines. William's been holding for us from Starkville. William, you're on the air, so go ahead. Oh, good morning. I'm uh, kind of on the extreme end of the uh, pet spectrum. I just wanted to comment that I've got a got a, a least screw, <laughs> a least shrew, excuse me, uh, that's living under my uh, my uh, uh, refrigerator. I've had it for about a month, and I'm trying to fig- I can't I can't figure out how to how to catch it. I could set a mouse trap, but uh, he's so so cute and so harmless. Uh, unlike mice, he uh, he's not a rodent, and so I was lucky enough to figure out that uh, it might eat cat food, and so I I just provide it with a little bit of cat food to to make sure that it doesn't starve to death. And I was going to ask if anybody knows what the what the gestation period is on a shoe. Oh, uh, that's a fantastic animal to see. I'm, I'm excited that you, so he's in your house. Yeah, it's too, I don't know how, I, well, I, I figured out while I was waiting for you to come on the air how it might have got in the house. Uh, I was thinking it was almost small enough to get through cracks that maybe uh, maybe uh, uh, roaches get through, but I think he perhaps came in a different way, and uh, he's only uh, two two and a quarter inches long, and uh, uh, the body that that body yeah. and head is yeah. three quarter of the, about a three quarter inch tail. In fact, he's. It's hard to tell which end is which until he moves. Uh huh. Very interesting done. animals, cool. And uh, I guess they're. I mean, not that I would ever presume to tell you you have bugs in your house, William. But it, they they're such insect eaters, and they have to eat large amounts of insects. Yeah. I've read that they're just busy, busy all the time. Yeah in an effort to get enough food. I wouldn't have thought about cat food, but that was probably well, the only thing you could I, do I to figured, help. I figured they might eat eat their own weight uh, every other day or something like that, so I've yeah. been providing it for, for lots of cat food. But I, uh, I don't know whether to try and find a, a live trap that I might uh, catch it in, but uh, I only see it in, 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 oh, 
in fact, it's been a week since I saw him, but I saw him while I was uh, getting the telephone number for for the program here just now. So I've seen him currently, seen it, whatever. Yeah, I know they need a lot of food and a lot of water, so be sure he's got... I, yeah, I provided water in a <laughs> in a in a flat cap from a from a jam jar. As a matter of fact, so, yeah, I guess that's all he it's, needs. It's really, and and, we, and the cat eats what two or three feet from the from the, where the the shrew gets its food, but it's protected. The cat couldn't get it if he stayed in the space between the refrigerator and the wall. Uh, he's well protected, but. Uh, Anyway, it's it's been interesting, and uh, uh, it's the most unusual pet. I had squirrels that, that another cat brought home one time. We had a cat that never killed anything. They let two two mice and a snake loose in the house, and brought home two baby 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 squirrels that we raised. <laughs> oh my goodness! You've got a fun house around there. But yeah, the well, least true. Now that's that is I've never heard of anybody really. Um, successfully keeping a wild one in the house. That is pretty neat. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, uh, I've got a good book on, in fact, it's a Peterson Field Guide, and it outlines the, the uh, three smallest mm-hmm. ones, the pygmy, the dwarf, and the least. And the pygmy is a, is a tiny bit smaller, but the, the least grew uh, through is the only one in, that uh, hits this part of the country that uh, extends all over the all over the eastern two thirds of the country and lower Canada. Conrad Lorenz wrote a book that a good part of it is about Lee Shrews. You might look for that. Uh, who, who, what's the author? Conrad Lorenz, and he was an animal Lorenz. behavior study. Yeah, in fact, he wrote, I think, okay. maybe the first textbook for animal behavior. But Lorenz. I remember studying it years ago, and it was a really interesting book. And I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but I think you could find that. Conrad Lorenz. L- Lorenz, L O R E N T Z, I presume. I can't thank remember you. that either. Yeah, I'll try to look for it. Okay. All right, uh, William, thank thanks uh, Thanks for your call. Good to hear from you this morning. Uh, Dr. Major, got about a minute left, and you talked about uh, the problem of obese pets. Um, so when it comes to feeding, what is your recommendation, uh, feeding at a certain time or maybe just keeping the bowl full as they graze or maybe just trying to see what works best for each individual pet? It depends on the individual pet. Some some dogs and cats can graze, okay, and not gain gain any weight. But a lot of them, though, will eat until that bowl is empty and then be looking for some more. Uh, be sure, in case where you have an obese animal, is to measure out uh, based on what it says on your bag and in consultation with your vet how much to give and. Uh, a lot of times we do keep the bowl full, and that, that's that's an issue, especially with dogs that don't get exercise, cats as well. So just be aware, and uh, if you have an obese animal, there are dots that can help uh, from the standpoint of being able to feed and have them lose weight. On the other hand, knowing how much you're giving each each pet is very important. All right, that is going to wrap us up for today. Oh, go ahead, Libby. Oh, and the book is King Solomon's King Solomon's Ring. All right, very good. 
That will wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. Our show is produced and engineered by Abram Nanny, and our call screener today was Charles Arnold. So for Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next, it's autocorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.